Hello, welcome to my first podcast. This is the first episode of our first podcast where we'll be talking about creatures and cryptids all across the world. And today I'm going to be joined by my lovely jubbly co-host, Ella. Say hi, Ella. Hi. Very good. And today we're going to be discussing the Irish Banshee, I think. Yes. Okay. So, the Irish Banshee from Old Irish, Woman of the Fairy Mound or Fairy Woman. It is usually an Irish spirit in folklore who he- who heralds the death of family members. That can't be good. Usually by screaming, wailing or sh- shrieking or keening. Her name is connected to the mythological impor- important tumuli or mounds that dot the Irish countryside, which are also known as side in Old Irish. Uh, what would you like to say about that, Ella? One is pronounced... Um, oh, no, never mind, never mind. Oh, it's pronounced well, Ella. You've got to correct me? Hmm? <laughs> no, never mind. I thought it was pronounced differently, but it's not. Okay, Ella, uh, if you would like to read this paragraph right here. Sometimes she has long streaming hair and wears a grey cloak over a green dress and her eyes are red from continual weeping. She she may be dressed in a in white with red hair and a ghastly complexion, according to the first-hand account by Anne-Lady Francois in her memoirs, Lady and Lady Wilder in her in her books provides others. The size of the banshee is another physical feature that differs between regional accounts. Though some accounts of her standing were naturally tall are recorded, the majority of tales describe her height as the banshee's stature as short. Kind of like Ella. Anywhere between <laughs> one foot and four feet. Oh, that, even, that really is like Ella. Her exceptional shortness often goes alongside the description of her as an old woman, though it may be intended to emphasise her stare as a fairy creature. Ella, you're not a fairy creature, are you? I'm not that I'm aware of. Okay, that's good, so you might not be a banshee. Uh, if you would like to read this for me? Sometimes a banshee assumes the form of some sweet singing virgin of the family who died young and has been given the mission by the invisible powers to become the hard thing of coming doom to her mortal kindred. Or she may be seen as a knight, as a surrounded woman crouched beneath the trees, lamenting with a veiled face, or flying, or flying past in the moonlight, crying bitterly, and the cry of the spirit is mournful beyond all other sounds on earth, and betokens a certain death to some member of the family, whether it is heard in the silence of the night. That does sound scary if I saw a really old woman flying past my bedroom at night. Okay. Apparently, apparently the screams have like telekinetic, like telekinetic abilities. But really? Yeah, apparently. What, so she 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 like screams and like you hear like I'm coming for you. Yeah, like is that what telekinetic means? Blind me! I wish I could do that. I do have an unnaturally high voice though, so maybe I could. Telekinetic okay. force capable of breaking through solid steel doors. Wow. St- steel? 
Yeah, and it throws grown men many meters away. Blind me, blind me. Okay. Um, I'm sorry if I pronounce this wrong. Irish people, which I don't think there's any of you there. If there is, hello, Irish. Um, okay. Hence being si- signe, plural, magna signe, she fairies or woman fairies, credulously <laughs> supposed by the common people to be so affected to certain families that they are heard to sing mournful lamentations about about their houses by night. Whenever any of these family labours under a sickness, which is led to end by, yeah, which is to end by death, but no families which are not of an ancient and noble stock are believed to be honoured with this fairy's privilege. So I'm pretty sure that means if you're not, if if you're not like, like noble, then it's it's good for you to have a banshee. I'm pretty sure. But that's... I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know much about this. Which is quite a bad sign, seeming as... um, I'm the one doing the podcast, and I should know stuff about this. Okay, Ella, if you would like to read this... In Ireland and parts of Scotland, a traditional part of Mornay is keening the woman. Who wills a lament in Irish... I'm going to pronounce it wrong. <laughs> oh, no, pronounced. I don't know what Irish had their language. In the Irish dialects of Munster and South Galloway, in Connacht and Ulster, particularly in the traditional dialects of North and East Ulster, including Welsh. This keening woman may in some cases be professional and the best keeners would end in high demand. Irish legend, Irish legend speaks of a lament about a lament being sung by a fairy woman or banshee. She would sing it when a family member died or was about to die. Even if the person had died far away and news of their death had not come yet, in those cases her wailing would be the first morning for warning the household had of the death that would be horrible if you just heard a random scream in the middle of the night which means like oh your son is dead ella would you like to hear that at night not really mm. and i probably wouldn't hear it because i sleep like i slept through my alarm this morning so that was fun oh my alarm didn't go off which is kind of sad if you could read this please Banshee is also a predictor of death. If someone is about to enter a situation where it's unlikely they'll come out alive, she will warn by screaming or wailing, giving rise to the banshee known as being, also being known as a wailing woman. It is often stated that the banshee laments only the descendants of pure Malaysian stock of Ireland, sometimes cl- clarified as surnames pref- prefixed with O and Mac. And some accounts even state that each family member has its own banshee. Wow, that's like having your own butler, but warns you of death. That'd be actually Imagine pretty nice like, to have. I mean, that's like a lot of banshees, though. Oh yeah, but only if it's like a traditional family. Um, yeah. One account, however, Let's... also included the Geraldines. <laughs> what was that accent? Geraldines, as they as they had. Wait, no. 
as they had apparently become more Irish than the Irish themselves. Countering the law, ascribing banshees exclusively to those of Milesian stock. I'd like if you could read the rest of this. Other exceptions were the Bunroth Banshee, which heralded the death of the Rev. Charles Bunroth, a name of Anglo-Saxon origin, and the Rose Neuro Banshee, which supposedly were heralded, heralded the death of a member of the family of Baron Rosemar, whose ancestry was predominantly when several banshees appear at once it indicates the death of someone great or holy the tale sometimes re- recounted that the woman though called a fairy was a ghost often of a specific murdered woman or mother who's a ch- who died in childbirth that's horrible just being killed to come back actually that i would like to do that if i died i would like to come back and tell people when they were gonna die I'd be a nice banshee. Yeah. No, I would like to, like, you know, like, tower, tower card readers. I'd like you one of the spirits that they talk to. Ooh. Yeah, but, like, you would be, if if someone didn't believe that you existed, then you'd be quite sad because, like, you're literally there talking to the tarot person and the other person, like, nah, you don't exist. Um, Kira, if, I mean, not Kira, Sophia, no, not Sophia. Ella, if you could read this for me, thanks. Most, though not all, surnames associated with the Banshees have the O or Mac prefix. That is, surnames of Goldic origin indicating a family native to the insular Celtic lands rather than those of Norse, Anglo-Saxon or Norman accounts reach as far back as 1380. The publication of the Gefrierum Florida Hildebrecht Triumphs of Thorlo by C. McCraith Mentions of banshees can also be found in normal literature of that, of that time. The Ua Brian banshee is thought to be named Abel or Ibel and the ruler of 25 other banshees who would always be at her attendance. That that would be absolutely horrifying. You hear one whale and then 20 25? 25 other whales with it. How would you feel about that, Ella? I personally think it was like a fire alarm or something. Oh, that, yeah, but this was back in like 1380. Did they have that stuff back in 1380? I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. Of course they wouldn't. Okay, uh, it is possible that this particular story is a source of the idea uh, that the wailing of numerous branches sig- signifies the death of a great person. In some parts of Leinster, she is referred to as being Shoatine, Keening woman. Is that Keening? I don't know how to pronounce that. Whose will can be so pressing it shatters glass in Scottish foot. It shatters glass. I can do that. I actually did that once, you know. I shattered glass with my scream. I was really scared because I screamed more after the glass shattered. So, yeah. <laughs> In Scottish folklore, a similar creature known as the being night. I don't know. I don't know. Nuggahi or Ban Nishline 
little washerwoman. <laughs> that makes it sound less scary. Just a little lady coming yeah. to do your dishes. The little washerwoman. Yeah. I'd like to be visited by a little washerwoman. Sounds like a very nice person. Or Nigganath, little washer at the Ford. What's that Ford? And is seen washing Ford's the bloodstained car. clothes or armour of those who are about to die. Now I don't really want to be invited to see the little washerwoman, guys. Would you want to no. see a little washerwoman washing your blooded clothes waiting for you to die? I mean, it would be very helpful, but... Uh, yeah, I suppose helpful. it would be. Okay, um... In Welsh folklore, some of the creature is known as the Kyrith. Um... Uh, uh... I don't know what this is. Okay. That is, um... The Banshee, guys. We're gonna do some other British creatures next. Let's see. Um... No, like, I'm pretty sure, like, Banshee women look like they've literally been drowned. Really? Like, look at that. Oh, yeah, she does look kind of drowned. No, that's creepy. Imagine seeing that in real life. That's what I see every morning when I look in the mirror. Um, let's try the red cap. Hey, that's in D&D. I've heard about that. The red cap's in D and D, is it not? I think I've heard about that. I'm not too sure though. Uh, it's all just like short things. Red red cap with Wikipedia. Wikipedia. We love Wikipedia here, don't we, guys? Oh my god, this is this is literally red red cap in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my god. I'm, I'm gonna, guys, Ella, I'm gonna put you and your party up to this. <laughs> How would you feel about that? Okay, let's see. The red cap or powery, which is quite a uh, pretty easy name to say comparing to the other ones, is a malevolent, <laughs> murderous goblin found in border folklore. He is said to inhabit ruined castles along Anglo Scottish border. Especially those, uh, especially those that were the scenes of tyranny or wicked deeds. I wonder what wicked deeds they've been getting up to. And he's known for soaking his cap in the blood of his victims. He's also known as Red Comb and Bloody Cap. That makes sure... sense why he's like he's called Red Cap because his cap would be red. Really? Oh. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow! <laughs> Round of applause, everyone! Round of applause for Ella's epic braining. And in the in Dungeons and Dragons, it can it lasts three days without applying um, blood to its cap. So I wonder if that's um, based off this. Probably not. Ella, if you could read um, up to here, okay. or do I to read the whole thing? The... Yeah, I'll see. Whole thing. Cap is depicted as. Quote, a, sh- a short, thickest old elf with long, prominent teeth, skinny fingers, and with talons like eagles, large eyes of a fiery red colour, gristly hair streaming down his shoulders, iron boots, a pick staff in his left hand, and a red cap on his head, end of quote. When uh, travellers take refuge in his lair, he flings huge stones at them. 
and if he kills them, he soaks. Hold on, he soaks his cap in their blood, giving it a crimson hue. Oh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, he is unaffected by human strength, but can be driven away by words of scripture or the bra- brandishing of a crucifix, crucifix, which causes him to utter a dismal, dismal yell and vanish into flames, leaving behind a large tooth. That would be an awesome keepsake, tooth. to be honest. If you yeah, like, the- if you managed to defeat one of those. The, the, the tooth fairy would be very lucky. That'll be yeah, you'd get you'd get massive cash from the tooth fairy. <laughs> yeah. The tale of a red cap in Perthshire depicts him as a more benign little man. Oh, hmm. Um, living in a room high up in Grantley Castle, he bestows good fortune on those who see or hear him. So either if you see a little man in a red cap, you're gonna die, or you're gonna be quite lucky. Let's hope it's the second. No, let's. Yeah, let's hope it's the second one, the lucky, the lucky one. Why do you have to second think that? Huh? Yeah, I, <laughs> I so, sometimes I stumble over my words. I forgot if I said the lucky one first or the not the un unlucky one first. Okay, Ella, if you could read up to here. The kabuta. Of red caps of Dutch folklore are also very different and more akin to brownies. Like the food? I don't know. Brownies are nice though. Yeah, brownies are delicious. The ruin of Blanket Tower, a border fortress that was owned by the Bell family in the fortress of Patrick Fleming in Dumbleshire. Was haunted by a more traditional ghost known as Old Red Cap or Bloody Bell. The description of the tower and the ghost was given by William Scott Irving in the poem Quote for Helen, in which the ghastly phantom holds a bloody dagger beneath a red eastern moon. Oh, spooky. The word Dumbledore is kind of like Doofenshmirtz from, um, like, uh, Phoenix of Fab. Doofenshmirtz Incorporated. Okay, the term red cap is also used in a more general sense. For example, in the village of Zenor, Zenor in Cornwall, fairies were often referred to as red caps, including the more benevolent, but benevolent, <laughs> pretend, pretend I haven't messed up, guys, benevolent, oh, lost where I was, benevolent trooping fairies because of their fondness for wearing green clothing and scarlet caps. They should, should they not be called whatever. Uh, this this characteristic is demonstrated by an ex excerpt from the poem "The Fairies" by the Irish um by the Irish poet William Alling Allingerham. We folk, good folk slash trooping all together slash green jacket, red clap slash. No, <laughs> red cap slash and owl and white owl's feather. Okay, Ella, if you could read this. It looks a bit like Hayden, doesn't it? Mm, I mean, it's not not like Hayden. <laughs> the red cap familiar of Lord William de Swass. That's probably French. 
called Robin Redcap is said to have wrought much harm and ruin in the lands of Master's Dwelling, Hamji Castle Unlimited, Unlimited with, oh my god. Ultimately, William was, according to legend, taking to the Nistain Rig, a stone circle near the castle, then wrapped in lead and boiled to death. Oh my god, that sounds horrible. Now, in reality, William de Solis was imprisoned in Dumbarton Castle and died there. Oh, at least he didn't get boiled to death. Yeah, following his confessed complicity in the conspiracy against Robert the Bruce in 1320. Why, hello there. Um, If you would like to be um, a co-host guest on this podcast, and you know me in real life, then text me or something, because... I like talking to people, and people like monsters. So I'm going to talk about monsters with people. Yip, 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 Okay. Uh, that segment is over now. I'm going to get back to the podcast. Yep, 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 Okay, now we're back. Uh, we're still talking about the red caps. Okay, let's go. Sir Walter Scott in Minstrelly of the Scottish Birder, Bargain, Barder records a ballad written by John Layden entitled Lord Sulis, in which Redcap has granted his master safety against weapons and lives in a chest secured by three strong padlocks. Scott states that the Redcap is a class uh, uh, that that the red cap is a class of spirits that haunts old castles and that every ruined tower in the south of Scotland was supposedly to have one of these spirits residing within it. Robin Redcap should not be confused with the mischievous hobgoblin known as Robin Roundcap um, uh, of East Yorkshire folklore. Okay, now we're going to be talking about... Um, what should we talk about, Ella? What should we go on about now? I do not, but um, red caps are apparently impossible to, like, outrun. Red caps are impossible to outrun. You heard it here first, folks. And you probably didn't, because Ella's on Google. So, yeah, you probably didn't hear it first. <laughs> but if you listen to this podcast and you like monsters, then you probably did hear it first, but just not here. Well, yeah, you heard it first. You know, I'm just going on. Uh, You heard it first here. But it was not first heard here. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Voice oh. <laughs> crack. Okay. What do you want to talk about now? I know. Uh, let's see. Some more British monsters. Monstery doodles. Monstery doodles. Because you know. Okay. Um. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Ella, would you like to talk about Bogart? Is it not a Bogart? Bogart, mm. Yeah, they were in Harry Potter. Oh, they're in Harry Potter. What the, is that? Yeah, like... Me and Ella are currently (laughs) screen sharing, and Ella, if you look in the little corner... Oh, I just opened Wikipedia. Do you see where it says Wikipedia over here? Who's this yeah. little fella? 
Okay, uh, Wikipedia. Let's go on Wikipedia. Okay. We're going to take the form of the um, person's greatest fear. Oh. Like, um... Oh, I forgot his name, but it was in the Owl House. I don't, have you ever watched Owl House? No. No, you should watch it. It's a good show. Um, Grom. Like, Grom in the Owl House. Takes everyone's worst... No. Worstest fear. What's your worst fear, Ella? Mm. Heights. Heights. Spiders. Well, Death. I think it's, you're not scared of the heights. You're just fall, scared of falling. Yeah. Okay, Ella, if you would like to read up till here. Is that okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I think you know what to read. A bogger is a creature in English folklore, either a household spirit or a malviolent genius, Lucky. That is um, a geographically defined spirit inhabiting fields, marshes, or other type top topographical features. Other names of this group include bug, bug bear, bugaboo, or bug apu. <laughs> bugaboo. <laughs> that sounds Bugger. like something a grandma would call a little. Or oh, call me a little bugaboo. Etc. Presumably all derived from or related to Old English pukal. And related to the Irish puka and the puka or the buga of Welsh mythology. <laughs> the household farm causes mischief and things to disappear, milk to sour and dogs to go lame. Bog- the bogarts inhabiting marshes or holes in the ground are often attributed more often attributed more serious evil doing, such as the abduction of children. Imagine um, being like abducted by a greatest. Yeah, a little like a little like creature comes out of a hole and then it just morphs into like your biggest fear and it just takes you away while it. you're crying from it. Um, okay, Ella, could you read from here where, from here to here? Although Melbourne, the house of Bogart will follow wherever the family oh. may flee. Sorry, it is I've... said that the Bogart Hold on, I lost myself. It's that yeah. the bugger crawls into people's beds at night and puts a clammy hand on their faces. Oh, sometimes oh my God, that's horrible. Sometimes he strips the bed sheets off them. Just a bit of banter. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between bullying and banter? This is banter. Sometimes a bugger will also pull on a person's ears. Hanging a horseshoe on the door of a house and leaving a pile of salt outside your room are said to keep a bugger away. Oh, I might start leaving salt at my room because of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in not. some areas, such as Northumberland, it was believed that helpful household spirits, silkies or brownies... Hey, we've, we've talked about brownies. When did we talk about brownies? It was with the banshee, I think. Banshee, okay. Could turn into malevolent bogart if offended or ill-treated. Guys, don't be mean to your don't be mean to your brownies before they you eat them, because they could end up putting a wet hand on your face. Oh my! Um, in Northern England, at least there was, at least there was believed that bogart should never be named. For when the bogart was given a name, it would not be reasoned, not be reasoned with, nor persuaded. But would become uncontrollable and destructive. See true name. Within the folklore of North West England, bogarts can cause mischief in homes, 
but tend to live outdoors in marshlands, holes in the ground, under bridges, on dangerous sharp bends, or on dangerous sharp bends on roads. The book Lancaster Folklore of nineteen sixty-eight. No, nineteen. No, not nineteen. Eighteen sixty-seven. <laughs> makes a distinction between house bogarts and other types. In Lancashire, a skittish or runaway horse was said to have took bogarts. That is, being frightened by a usually invisible bogart. Is it bogart or bogart? I think it's pretty a bogart. Okay, a bogart. No, it's not like that. Like yogurt. I don't know, no, I don't know how they say it in the movie, actually. I'll just say bogart. When a person got lost in a marsh and was never seen again, the people were sure that a bogart had caught the poor unfortunate and devoured him. <laughs> oh, no. The name of at least one Lancashire bogart was recorded Nutnan, who fitted with a shrill, who, f- 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 what does that word say, Ella? I don't know where we are. Uh, we're, we're here. <laughs> flitted. Flitted, sure, think. we'll go with flitted. We flitted with a shrill, sh- oh my god, with a sh- shrill scream Shrew. among hazel bushes in Monston near Manchester in Yorkshire. Bogarts, bogarts, also inhabit outdoor areas. One is said to haunt Cave Ha, a limestone cavern at Giggle- <laughs> Giggleswick. <laughs> I bet they have quite the... It, how, what is it? It's called Cave Ha, as in Ha Ha Ha, and at Giggleswick. Do they name all their things about laughing? Near Settle. <laughs> the Scots variant is the Boggle or Bogle. Uh, Ella, if you could read up to here, that would be great. Thanks. Not just um, just not yeah, that. Yeah, bit, I don't hear you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, we'll get back do. on track, guys. I just kind of lost our entire thing here. There. The recorded folklore of buggers is remarkably varied as to their appearance, appearance and size. Many are described as relatively as rel- relative, relatively human-like in form, though usually uncouth, I think. Very ugly and often with bestial attributes. Tease- Very ugly like me. <laughs> Tease Nurnberg's 1851 book dialect and folklore of Northamptonshire described a certain bogger as, quote, a squat hairy man strong as a six-year-old horse and with the arms long as tadpoles. Tackle balls. Oh, tackle balls. What is a tadpole? Like, like, <laughs> that can't be long arms. Okay, uh, wait, no, wait. What's oh, <laughs> oh my god, I'm useless, guys. How have you managed to do that again? Wait, were we here? No, we were farther up. I think this is going yeah, to be our last one in today's it. podcast, guys. Um, doesn't mean we're stopping anytime soon. Uh, it's like the next one. No, it's not. It's what? this one, yeah. Yeah. Other accounts describe Bogart as having more completely beast-like forms. The Bogart of Longer Heedy from Yorkshire was said to be a fearsome creature the size of a calf, which is like, um, is a calf a baby, baby cow? Yeah, pretty sure. With long, shaggy hair and eyes like saucers, it trailed a long chain after itself, 
which made a noise like the baying of hounds. The bog, the bogart of Hackensall Hall in Lancash, Lancashire, had appeared had the appearance of a huge horse. Ella, if you could read this, that would be epic. A lay swan-like and cheap dogger was said to sometimes take the forms of various animals, or indeed more faithful creatures. The boggarts of Lancashire were said to have a leader or a master called Oudhob, <laughs> who had the form of a satire or archetype. Archetype, Yeah, whatever. Devil horns, cloven hooves, and a tail. So, if anyone doesn't know what a satire is, I'm just going with the Dungeons and Dragons thing. I love Dungeons and Dragons. If you can't, if you haven't guessed already, it's like a man. It's like kind of like a centaur, but it's got goat. No goat legs. Is it? Is it goat legs? I don't think you've seen one. I don't know. I'll check. Yeah, it's got kind of like goat feet and like a strong muscular like thighs and stuff. But other than that, it's kind of just a normal human, except it's got horns, I'm pretty sure. Uh, what do you think, Ella? It looks a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, I was close enough. Um, okay, like this is a long paragraph, so get ready. Weird. Um, yeah. Okay, a piece of folklore concerning a Lancashire bogart was published in 1861. The author had a conversation with an elderly couple one evening about their local bogart. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it a bunch of different ways. I honestly don't know how to pronounce this stuff. <laughs> they maintain they maintained that the bogart, bogart was buried at a nearby bend in the road under an ash tree, along with a cockerel with a stage driven through it. Despite being buried, the bogart was still able to, cr- to create trouble. A farmer's wife... A farmer's wife, the old couple claimed just two weeks earlier they had heard doors banging in their farmhouse at night, then loud laughter. She looked to see she looked out to see three candles casting blue and a creature with red burning eyes leaping out about. The following morning many marks of cloven hooves were were seen outside the house. The couple claimed that the bogart had unhitched their own horse and overturned their car on occasion. N- never name it the Bogart. Never name it. Oh, never name the Bogart, it says. <laughs> um, the old man repeated and stated that he would he never dig near its grave. So at least they aren't that bad. They're kind of just like, they're kind of just like horrible people that can change form. Actually, they can change form. And, oh wait, didn't it say they were dusty Charles? Actually, yeah, they are that bad. Um, forget what I said before. Do you think they're that bad, Ella? Do you think they're that bad? Yeah, that would be pretty scary. If you could read this paragraph, that would be fabulous. In one old tale, said to originate from the village of Mumbai in the Lincolnshire countryside, the bugger is described as being rather spot, hairy and smelly. In the other story, a farmer offers a big deal to the bugger inhabiting his land. The bugger may choose either the part of the crop that grows from above the ground or the part below it. When the bugger chooses this part below the ground, the farmer plants fairly at harvest time. The bugger is left on. Un- Wait, what? The 
farmer plants barley. At harvest time, the bogger is left with only stubble. The bogger then demands the part above the ground instead to the farmer plant potatoes. Once again, left with nothing to show for his efforts, the arranged bogger leaves the area. Oh my god, he really out boggarted the bogger. <laughs> no, because like. Wow. Same life of a bogger and a bogger. <laughs> telling. Oh, oh, sorry. I've just kind of. That is the third time. It's another fifth. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Don't. Oh. <laughs> I can't <laughs> click on it without. <gasps> My leg just cracked like really loud and it really hurt. Another telling includes a third episode where the farmer and the bogger are uh, to harvest the crop wheat either side of the field, each getting what he harvests. However, the farmer plants iron rods in the bogger taff before the reaping, blunting his scythe and allowing the farmer to harvest almost the entire field. No, I don't, I don't get it. This story is identical to the European fable, The Farmer and the Devil, cited, cited in many seventh, 17th century French works. See Bonnie Continuation, Nina Nina M. Furry and Hantela Jaruhush. Okay, uh, uh, do you want to read up to here if you want? That farmer was pretty smart. That's like, that was pretty smart. I don't get what they meant by the rods. Like, so, like, the bucket was have this half that he would scythe, right? Yeah. But on the bogger's hearth, he made it iron so he could incite it and it would blunt his scythe oh. so like, the farmer could harvest the whole thing. Oh, yeah, okay, go on then. Uh, you read that if you want. A variety of geographic locations and architectural landmarks have been named for the bogart. There is a large multi-sequel park at Bogart Hot Cloud, which is bordered by the Moston Blackley in Manchester, England. Clout is a northern dialect word for steep-sided wooden valley. A large part of Bogatul Clout is made up of these valleys and is said to be inhabited by Bogats. The Clout is the setting for many Bogat stories, including one of how a local farmer, George Cheetham, and his family were forced to leave their home due to the torment inflicted by a Bogat. But they were taking their possessions away in a cart. The voice of the bogger was heard issuing from a milk churn on the cart. Unable to escape the bogger, they returned to their farm. Oh, that's sad. They're kind of just being, like, like possessed. Yeah, like, boggarts are really mean. Oh, yeah, I guess they are. Because they're literally, like, killing people. You can't, like, escape them. Can you? No, you just said you can't. Yeah, and they can also shapeshift, can they not? Yeah, I think it's a that following, like, a variety of animals. Mm. So they could, like, describe, like, describe as one of the farm animals. You would never he kind of slightly looks like, uh, I don't think you ever heard of, like, the Dover Demon. Have you ever heard no. of the Dover no, Demon? I think it looks a bit like Hayden. That's a bit mean. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Dover Demon, though? No. No, okay. Oh, all you need to know, it's a demon in Dover, America, and it was thought to be kind of like a little baby ape, but no one really knows. It was sighted by a couple of people, 
then it wasn't sighted again, I don't think. There is there is a bog okay. out stones overlooking the place where the mirrors where the mirrors murder murderers <laughs> Ian Brandy and Myra Hindley buried the bodies of Lise, Leslie Ann Downey and Polly Reed. <laughs> children they had abducted um the children's bodies were buried just below the location. Um and in sight of Bogart Storms, a West Map, nineteen sixty four. Is it okay if I read this little bit? Then you can read this one. Yeah, yeah, you really. Okay. There is a Bogart Bridge in Burnley, Lancashire, where tradition says that whoever crosses the bridge must give a living thing to the Bogart or forfeit his or her soul. That's a bit not good, since, like. I doubt anyone's carrying like a live goat over the bridge on occasion. Okay, uh, Ella, if you could read this. Muggett's Roaring Halls are a group of puff holes on the mirrors of Newby Moss. Near Clampham in the Yorkshire Dales, legend has it that these potholes are the dwelling place of rustic, flesh eating bogarts whose angry growls have allegedly been heard reverberating the depths of the dark beneath caverns beneath hence the name that is horrifying it's like very scary that's like some horror movie stuff it really is there's a lot of it in um in pop culture so we might actually read out the pop culture this time if you want um yeah in the seacroft area of leeds okay wait um side thing why do British, um, British places have the weirdest names? I don't really know. Probably because they were named after like people's last names. You discovered them. Oh, that is actually quite a good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, back on with it. In no, in the Seacroft area of Leeds in West Yorkshire, there is a council estate named Bogart Hill. Bogart Hill Drive, Bogart Hill Gardens and Bogart Hill were all given the name of the estate area. Halfway between Scarborough and Whitby on Robin Hood's Bay, there is a place called Bogart Hall. In the local mythology, a Bogart is the local name for a hobgoblin, mischievous little people, who were thought, oh, I guess Hayden's one of them then. You were right, all this time. Um, Sorry, Hayden, uh, Apologies if you're listening to this, which probably won't, because I'm not sure if you're like um, monsters. And we're 42 minutes in. I doubt anyone's going to listen this far. Also, if you have, thank you. Thank you for supporting my podcast just by listening to it. This is a non... (laughs) Ella's cringing so hard right now. This is unscripted, just for fun, because I have literally nothing to do most of the time. So I thought I might as well do this. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay, back homework? on it. Huh? What about homework? We have loads of homework. Yeah. We do have loads of homework. I should probably be doing my homework instead of this. But this is for the people. You're welcome, you guys. I'm going to get attention because of you. But mwah, mwah. thank you for listening to the podcast. This isn't the end, by the way. So, yeah, keep listening if you want. Or don't. I don't really care. Okay. Well, I do care. You know what? I'm just going to stop going on. Um. Okay who are thought to live in caves along the coast. 
Buckle Hall is a natural cave formed by wave action where smugglers use land to contraband use use to land their contraband in pastimes. On Puck, a moon of Uranus, um there is a crater named Buggle. Hey, we're we're learning about Puck in um in uh school, aren't we? Like Yeah. Yeah. In like a mix of nice dream. Yeah, or oh, jinx. <laughs> Um, there is a crater named Buggle. In deference of the system of the nomenclature of the satellite, whose features are all named after various mischievous spirits. That's... That's... Um, yeah, Puck's a fairy, so that would make sense. Yeah, it would. In the time when the film was written, like, they would believe in fairies. Ella, I know you like Harry Potter, so do you want to read this bit out after I read this bit out? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bogarts feature prominently in a number of fantasy novels. In various incarnations, these include Boggles in C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, the Bogart in Susan Cooper's The Bogart, and the Bogart and the Monster. The Bogart in the Sep- Septimus Heap series, the Bogart in Jov- Jovis Delaney's The Wildstone Chronicles, and the Bogart in um, William Manny's Earthfasts and T- Tasha Tudor's Corgi related picture books. Other books, including The Spiderwick Chronicles and Mark Del Franco's Con- Convergent World Book feature Brownies, which turned into Bogart when angry, ang- angered. Hey, that's kind of like, um, that's kind of like, uh, have you seen Gremlins? No. It's kind of, well, it's kind of like Gremlins, except that when anger, it's not when water. Okay, Ella, if you would like to read out this bit of... The Bogart uh, in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter shapeshifters whose true form is unknown. Their changed shapes resemble the beholder's worst fear. They are unlike most Bogarts in British folklore, whose, whose appearance is fixed. Their, is fixed. their closest parallel is being able to change shape at will. It's probably found to be a reference to a Lancashire bugger in the book Lancashire Folklore of 1867. Okay. Uh, would you like to read this little bit as well? Okay. In the 2014 fantasy film The Seventh Son, an enormous Marvel bugger as facts of protagonist while they're on their journey to find the antagonist character. Bogarts also appear in the film Original Source Mental The Spook's Apprentice. Spooky. In the CITV children's show, The Treacle People, Bogarts are furry, gremlin-like creatures that originate from the treacle mines. Well, they're even more like Hayden. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, <laughs> Hayden. I, we, we have been doing Hayden dirty today. Um, yeah. Uh, Bogarts are furry, gremlin-like creatures that originate from the treacle mines. They are mischievous, frequently play fighting and causing a mess they serve as pets friends and pests to the sound people they have ability to walk up walls and other inclined surfaces due to their feet which resemble plungers a bugger in peter s beagle's novel tansin he is described as um a humanoid creature about a meter high who represents humans moving into his house no who resents humans moving into his house and torments them with pranks and thievery at first it seems he can become invisible 
Lois later determined that he can hide in narrow cracks between cupboards, under bathtubs, etc. And as are no, as are many uh, magical creatures in the book, the Bogar is mortally afraid of cats. Hmm, afraid of cats. I never would have thought that. Uh, Ella, do you want to read this little bit? Because this is going to be the end of our podcast pretty soon. In the magic, the gathering cards named Lauren Block, the native goblins of the plane are called Bogarts. In role-playing games, the Bogart appears in the immature form of a willow or wisp, with shape-shifting abilities in Dungeons & Dragons as well as necromancy games. Common Rider Wizard features a villain of weak based on the Bogart. Okay, guys, that's where we'll be ending our podcast today. Um, if you've come to this far, I know I said this about 10 minutes ago, but thank you for watching. Like, honestly, this is a big deal to me. And Ella. Ella, say yip 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 if this is a big deal. I'm not saying that, but it's, oh, it's a deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Um, Ella, 2023, it is a big deal. Uh, quote that, guys. Quote that. And if you ever want to be an episode of this, uh, Ella is our co-host today, cause, not guest co-host, because my, my main co-host couldn't make it, because uh, he has, like, no free time at all. So, yeah, Ella, uh, big thank you for coming on here. Uh, would you like to say anything to the audience? Hi. <laughs> Hi, Okay. <laughs> Everyone, if you're watching us at home, say hi, Ella. Say you are the best um, co-host ever. You're so cool. That's like see babies. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, thank you guys for listening and not watching because this will probably be on, I'm not sure what the website's called, but I will send this out to some people that like um, have said they're interested in my content. And that will be the end of this podcast today. So have a good day, guys. This is what it's called. I found the link. What? Well, yeah. Okay. Well done, Ella. What? The, what's the link? What's the link? What's it called? Https. <laughs> no. What's the website? What's the website? Podcast slash Dylan. Dylan and Mason do monsters, guys. It's Dylan and Mason do monsters. Hyphen Mason hyphen do hyphen monsters. Yeah, okay. No, what's what's is that is that that's the domain name. I'm not sure what the actual app what I the click podcast on the link. Click on the link. And it should come up with an app. Sorry guys, I'm kinda of dragging this on a bit. RSS.com. RSS.com guys. It's called Dylan and Mason Doom Monsters. Obviously that is not Dylan, that is Ella. Because Dylan is the co host that is um not really available right now. We were going to do it at the weekend, but I had to um, have a social life, which I don't do very frequently. I don't, I'm not that good at being a social life haver. Okay, I'm kind of just waffling on now. Okay, bye guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, Ella, say bye-bye. Bye. 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 Uh...